When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every person has a blood type and RH factor. When you're pregnant, your RH factor may play a role in your baby's health. So it's important to know this information early in your pregnancy. I'm Dr. Damon Cobb, an OBGYN with Poway Women's Care, and today we'll be discussing how blood types are determined and what happens if your blood type differs from your unborn child. This is Preggy Pals, episode 48. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I am your host, Sunny Galt. Have you downloaded our amazing Preggy Pals app? This is a great way to listen to our shows on the go, whether you're waiting in line at the grocery store or at your next OB appointment. Did you miss an older episode of Preggy Pals? Then join our Preggy Pals Club. You'll get access to all of our episodes, transcripts, and special bonus content after each new show. Our club members even get a one-year free subscription to Pregnancy Magazine. You can visit our website for more information and to sign up. And for all of our listeners local to San Diego, don't forget about the Your Natural Baby Fair coming up next month, April 27th. You can purchase your tickets online at yournaturalbabyfair.com. Use promo code MOMMEDIA for 15% off. If you don't live in San Diego, we'll be broadcasting live from the event. You can visit the fair website for our schedule of interviews, which includes Penny Simkin, Dr. Bob Sears, and more. Okay, so we are joined by one other panelist here in the studio. Amy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Amy Askin, and I'm 39. I am the creator and writer for Beloved Atmosphere blog. Check it out. And um, I have three children, three girls, in fact, and they were all born naturally. Olivia is eight, Serene is three, and our newborn, Elisiana, is one month today. Okay, and so the topic today is about blood types, RH factor, and you are RH negative, correct? I am. I'm O negative blood type. O negative. Okay, so we'll dive into what exactly that means in just a little bit. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before we begin today's show, here are some tips on how to keep your baby nursery on a budget from Cynthia Caden. Hello, Preggy Pals. I am Cynthia Caden, founder of Trick My Crib Nursery and Kids Room Designs, where I help your nursery dreams come true. I'm excited to talk to you today about saving money in the baby's room by getting designer looks for less. 
When you enter the world of nursery decor, you soon find that just because it's for a little baby doesn't mean it has little price tag. Ideally, we all want our baby's room to be perfectly posh, and it's totally possible without overspending. The key is shopping around and not buying the first thing you fall in love with at the expensive boutique. Go to the upscale stores to get ideas. I recommend taking pictures of those special items you really love, or making a list with the details that made those items catch your eye. Then go home and shop online. Websites like eBay and Craigslist are invaluable to the bargain shopper. Usually, you can see pictures of the item, ask questions about the item, and maybe even negotiate pricing. Sometimes you can find the exact same expensive boutique item for a lot less. If you are unable to find the exact item, you can find something similar. It may not have the brand name, but if it has most of the characteristics of the expensive version and it's a fraction of the price, does it really matter? Also, don't narrow your search to only baby items. I love to use home items in the nursery, and often you can find them for less because there are more sources. I also recommend visiting your local resale shops and garage sales. You will be amazed at the treasures you can find and the fun you will have. I do personal shopping as part of my flat fee design service. Please like Trick My Crib on Facebook and visit my page often for decorating ideas. Thanks for listening to today's money-saving tips, and be sure to listen to Preggy Pals for more great pregnancy tips in the future. Knowing your blood type is important, and if you're pregnant, the type of blood you have could impact your pregnancy and your labor and delivery. Joining us here in the studio is Dr. Damon Cobb. He's an OBGYN with Poway Women's Care, and he actually appeared on our show last summer when we discussed weight gain during pregnancy. Dr. Cobb, welcome back to Preggy Pals. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So let's talk about blood types and RH factors. And, you know, just kind of a disclaimer, I know this can get kind of confusing, so let's try to just kind of break this down as simply as possible because it's kind of going to be alphabet soup here in the beginning. Sure, sure. <laughs> it, it can be a confusing topic, uh, no doubt. And so hopefully we can lay it out to uh, be pretty basic to where you'll have a, a firm understanding of um, blood types in general. Okay. So what what are blood types? When we talk about blood types, what are we referring to? All blood types really are, are just antigens um, within your blood. Antigens are basically uh, substances that uh, evoke a response from our immune system or our antibody system. Um, and so our blood types are basically uh, based on that antigen system as well. Okay. And then what's an RH factor? So RH factor is the Reese's factor. Um, what that determines is, as you probably have heard of your blood type, the positive and negative aspect of that. Again, the, the RH factor is just genes or protein that's attached to the red blood cell surface. I mean, so it totally changes the type of blood type you have by adding a negative or positive to it, right? It does. There are generally 30 different um, subsets or blood groups uh, when we talk about blood. The most common that people know of are what we mentioned, the the A, B, AB, and O. Um, However, there's 600 different genes. So again, it can be a little bit confusing, I think, for the sake of this talk, we would just talk about the, the most common that, that, yeah. that we hear of, of the ABO group. Yeah, I didn't even know that there were extra ones. Are we talking like D, Z, F? Correct. <laughs> yeah, they alphabet soup a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I didn't. I, but that's obviously very rare. 
Right, right okay. exactly. Okay, got it. Okay, so um, which blood types, you know, since we're kind of on the path of blood types, let's talk a little bit more just in general about them. What are the most common blood types and what are the most rare? I mean, not, not the not the really, really rare ones, but of the common ones. What are sure, the most and interesting, interestingly, it depends on uh, where you are in the world. You know, in the United States, O positive is the most common. Okay. Uh, in other parts of the world, it, it differs. The, the least common in the United States is AB negative. AB negative. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, Amy, what are your... O negative. Your O negative. And I'm I a- believe my mom is AB negative. I think that's how I got my RH negative. Okay. Sure. When we talk about just blood types in general and how do we get our blood types, you know, like with most things that we... Uh, our, most of our characteristics, they're, they're passed down from our parents okay. uh, through genes. You know, uh, a subset or, or a special code through the gene is, is something called an allele. We each have two of those, so we get half of our blood type from each parent. Okay. Um, so to break that down, I guess, a little bit, one parent may be AO. As those are the two different de- alleles, as, as uh, the other parent to the father may be uh, B and O. And when we talk about alleles, uh, we talk about dominant and recessive factors as well, and that may sound familiar to some of you. Sure. Um, a and B are the dominant aspects of a blood type. Okay. O is considered the recessive. Okay. So based on genetics, that's how we ultimately determine what type blood type a, a baby's going to be. Yeah. Okay. So can you actually, when I was doing some research for this, I actually found sites where they would have you enter, you know, what's your blood type, what's your partner's blood type, and it would kind of predict what your baby's blood type would be? I mean, is it that scientific that, hey, you know, this is always recessive, this is always dominant, so you can always predict what the baby's blood type is going to be? You can predict a certain percentage. Um, So say if, uh, again, we're AO and BO, um, the likelihood is going to be greater that uh, they're going to be, the baby's going to have more of a dominant effect, uh, blood type. So you've got about a 25% chance that that baby may have just an O blood type. So it all is based on percentages uh, connected with the genes. So for women out there that know their blood type, I don't actually don't know how many people really know their blood types, but let's say you do know your blood type, you know that it's negative, and you um, become pregnant. What are some of the precautions that are typically taken to ensure a successful pregnancy and labor and delivery? Well, the first step would be in a woman who uh, knows that their RH factor is negative is finding out what their partner's blood type would be. Um, so if their partner also has an RH negative factor, then nothing needs to be done. After that, if you confirm that father or you know partner's blood type was positive, then um, you know usually I sit down and discuss what that what that means um, in relation to the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the big factor that you're trying to avoid is anytime there's any crossover of fetal blood with maternal blood, whether it be, you know, through several different factors. Delivery is the most common factor where you'll get a little bit of that crossover. Uh, What can happen is that the mom's immune system will recognize baby's positive RH factor as foreign. Mm. When that happens, like with anything that our body recognizes as foreign, we develop, our, our immune system develops what are called antibodies or substances that fight that foreign uh, object. Um, when that occurs uh, and those antibodies develop, then the woman's subsequent pregnancy is in, in danger of having uh, bad effects um, because of those antibodies, uh, assuming that the next baby would have uh, 
a foreign blood or Rh positive foreign blood type. How or at what point in a pregnancy does a baby develop its own blood type? I mean, is it immediately? Like, when, when does this start to become an issue for pregnant women? So around day 30 is when uh, we've been able to t- detect the Rh factor on the surfaces of fetal red blood cells. Okay. Okay. So pretty early. Okay. And so the testing process, that's one of the first big blood tests you take as a pregnant woman, right? It's like part of, I remember just taking a bunch of different blood work. We're going to take 18 vials of blood. (laughs) That's pretty much what it is. (laughs) That's one of the things they're testing for, right? It is. It is. You're right. Along with several other tests, uh, one of the most important is is looking at your blood type. And then also along with that, your RH factor. Um, We also screen for antibodies that that we talked about a little bit earlier that mm-hmm. um, could be positive at that point early in pregnancy. Obviously, you'd want that antibody screen uh, in best case scenario to be negative early on. Okay. And just to be very clear, because I know we've talked about positives and negatives and find out what your spouse is, it really starts with the mom. So if the mom is positive, has an RH factor, so is positive, then this really isn't a concern, right? It's not a concern at all. And some people will ask about the paternal aspect. Um, That doesn't matter. So so from a standpoint of early testing, if uh, the only time we're concerned is if the RH uh, factor is negative. And really, thankfully, that's uh, very little of the population. Um, the Caucasian population is about 15%. Uh, <laughs> You're special, Amy. Right? You are special. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. 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 Um, African Americans are anywhere between 5 and 8%, and then uh, Asian descent is about 1% to 2%. Amy, knowing that you were negative, did you have any concerns going into your pregnancy? Had you heard about the RH factor and how that could impact pregnancy? I don't know that a lot of pregnant women you know, know uh, that this could be an issue. Yeah, you don't have to deal with it too, too much. Um, Because I was under care um, with, you know, really experienced, great people, I feel like, um, you know, they did my initial test and I found out that I was negative. Uh Um, I had always thought I was O positive because in my seventh grade science class, you do that blood on a test strip thing. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that was not correct. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I was a little shocked, but I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. And I'm not much of an alarmist to me. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, what does that mean? And they said, you get a shot of Rogam at 28 weeks, and then you get another one, you know, is it I can't even remember. <laughs> I've done it twice already. Um, but you get shots of Rogam and it's just a shot in the behind or whatever and it's not a big deal. So um, you know, because of modern medicine I, I didn't feel in any way, you know, alarmed mm-hmm. or anything. We mentioned Rogam a little bit earlier. What Rogam is, it's basically a, it's a blood product um, that's taken from the plasma of, of donors um, that helps prevent um, if there is that chance of crossover between Rh positive uh, fetus and Rh negative mother, helps prevent an immune reaction generated by mom. Okay, and then that's given at what point? Well, generally, if the pregnancy's gone, textbook, no issues. We'll usually give that around twenty-eight weeks. So Rogam has a uh, a lifespan of about twelve weeks. Okay. So some practitioners, if that pregnancy goes over. 40 weeks, um, we'll give another dose. We'll also usually give uh, a postpartum dose within 72 hours, uh, depending on baby's blood type, uh, because, as I mentioned before, the highest risk of that crossover Mm -hmm. is during birth. So in order to protect um, against that, again, uh, that immune response, Seventy within seventy two hours, we'll give that second dose. Are there any complications that could result as a as a result of getting this shot, this this medicine? 
Thankfully, there's not. Um, you know, it is a blood product, but the process the, that occurs to um, yield Rogam is is very safe. Um, the, the viral, you know, as we think about any type of blood product, we, we think about different viruses, mm-hmm. um, you know, hepatitis and HIV, and, and the process is really absent when uh, when we talk about Rogam and, and how they process it. Okay. And Amy, this was not a big deal for you as far as getting the shot and... Just another shot. Just another shot. Mm-hmm. And did you only have one? You had two? What did you I have? had the, the protocol that he was describing at 28 okay. weeks and then within 72 hours both times okay. mm-hmm, with right. baby number two and three. Rogam, that, that is the general standard dosage, but uh, there are several factors that can occur throughout pregnancy where you may need to get a little bit early. Um, Those would entail, you know, unfortunately women who have miscarriages uh, early, Um, you know, someone who goes through an amniocentesis, somebody who does chorionic villus sampling may need to get an earlier dosage. And usually before in the first trimester, before uh, 13 weeks or so, we'll usually give a a lower dose of Rogan because the the fetal crossover uh, would be much smaller than you'd experience at birth. Um, you know, other examples would be abdominal trauma. Some women, unfortunately, car wrecks or get hit in the stomach for whatever reason, um, abruptions, and, and like I said, just to cover it, delivery as well. What I want to do, I want to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive more into some of the concerns during labor and delivery. So we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking about blood types, RH factor, and pregnancy. And our special guest expert is Dr. Cobb. He's with Poway Women's Care. He's an OBGYN. So let's talk about the concern with crossover, Dr. Cobb, um, with labor and delivery. What are some of the concerns that um, OBs have? Well, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, the thing we worry about is that crossover in mom developing uh, those antibodies uh, from the foreign RH type. Uh Generally, that wouldn't affect that initial pregnancy. It's the subsequent pregnancies that we worry about. What happens basically is when mom does create those antibodies with the next baby, if the baby happened to be RH positive again, then, as we mentioned, mom's immune system recognizes that as foreign, and those antibodies are able to cross over through the placenta and affect baby. So what is it about the labor and delivery process Mm -hmm. that, you know, could trigger something like this? Well, there's just um, more chance. Right, exactly. (laughs) There's just a higher chance because of, uh, you know, placental issues, placental placental separation, bleeding during pregnancy or during labor. The the chance is just so much greater than, you know, not having any issues throughout um, the pregnancy. Plus the volume, the fetal volume of blood is much greater at that point as as compared to someone who's unfortunately had a miscarriage at uh, eight, 10 weeks. I see. Okay. So the concern is that somehow through all of this stuff that's going on in the labor delivery process, that the blood is somehow going to get into the baby through the umbilical cord? Um, basically through mom's system. So if, if um, you know, through the placenta or, or okay. what have you, if there's any crossover of those fetal cells into mom's blood supply as because you know the placenta is attached directly to the uterus and to to mom's uh blood supply although fetal and uh, maternal blood don't mix through the placenta uh if there's trauma or if there's you know just the natural birth process Mm. uh that can happen okay got it the big thing we worry about is that um, those antibodies will cause red blood cell destruction of the fetus causing can can be severe anemia um 
which can, if if it is uh, indeed severe, can can lead to heart failure um, and something called high drops. And how quickly can that happen? We were talking earlier about the first, you know, 30 days of a pregnancy is, is when you can detect RH factor. But, I mean, is that too late to, to know if there's been any damage? Well, every pregnancy is a little bit different. Um, and the severity can be different, you know. Uh, we can start testing generally as early as 18 weeks. Um, interestingly enough, you know, the subsequent pregnancy, the initial subsequent pregnancy is uh, generally less affected than um, pregnancies after that. So with each pregnancy after that sensitization, the uh, the attack can get a little bit more severe and the anemia can be a little bit more severe. Okay. At what point can you test to see the, I don't know if it would be the fetus, I don't, I don't know what it would be, but to, to find out what blood type they're carrying, can you can you do that and at what point? You can. Um, so if you are, initially again, we'd start start again with the prenatal profile panel where we'd look at, um, you know, again, the blood type, RH factor, and then look at the antibody. Um, the antibody is going to be important within that pregnancy because we look at what's called a titer or basically just how high that level is. And, and that gives us an idea of how severe that crossover and that attack of, of the fetus would be. Um, generally, what we'll do is first test dad again. Okay. Again, when we go back to our initial discussion of just those two different alleles, um, we talk about the dominant and recessive again. Um, so... If dad is what's called homozygous or has two of the same dominant genes, then all of his offspring are going to have that positive RH factor. If there is a dominant and a recessive, then you've got a 50, 50% chance that that fetus is going to have an RH negative factor. If that fetus has an RH negative factor, then again, it's nothing to, we don't have to worry about that. Um, so once we determine uh, the paternal testing, there's a couple of other ways that we can we can look into uh, the fetus's RH type. Um, one, there is a uh, test that's actually newly uh, available in the U.S. Uh, that is able to extract that information from maternal serum. Uh, but like I said, it's 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 very new. They use it uh, over in the U.K. more often. If that is not available, then what we do is an amniocentesis. And, and um, generally, like I said, we can start testing around 18 weeks uh, to determine the fetal RH type. Okay. And then if it's determined that it's incompatible with mom, then that's when the shot would be administered? And Well, <laughs> Interestingly enough, you would assume that that would that that the, the rogam would help, but once a uh, mom's been sensitized and has developed those antibodies, that shot no longer is effective and it doesn't aid. So, so generally, what we do after that point, once we determine that yes, this baby could be affected, then we start following those titer levels. So we look at those titer levels pretty frequently, every couple of weeks or so, starting around twenty weeks, um, and if that titer gets to a certain critical level where we would assume because of that level that the, the the severity of the attack is increasing, we would look at um, what what's called a fetal hematocrit, or basically just the blood level of the baby um, through something called a cordocentesis. So basically uh, putting a needle in the cord, drawing off some of that blood, and looking at the severity of the, of the anemia. Based on that, um, if it falls in a decent range, we continue to follow. If it 
fell in a more critical range, then the next step would be a transfusion. Okay. A transfusion for baby, transfusion for mom? For baby. For baby. For baby. To, okay. to try to resolve that anemia, anemic status. This sounds baby. really big. This sounds like it's really involved, right? It is. And, and generally, once um, a mom has become sensitized, then, then they really need to be seen by a perinatologist or a specialist in, in high-risk pregnancies uh, because of the, the severity that can escalate you know, relatively quickly. And the... Um, treatment that needs to occur if that does happen. Is there anything, you know, moms can do preventatively to assist in this process or if they know that they have, you know, the RH negative factor? I mean, does diet, does does lifestyle, does anything like that play a part? Or we're just talking about pure genetics here and if if you got it, you got it, and you may have to go through some testing. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. I mean, we talk about cholesterol, something like that. There's, yeah. you know, we can diet and exercise and, right. and do all that we can, but there's still a genetic aspect of that. And and um, when we talk about blood factors, it's it's purely genetic. So uh, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot um, moms can do other than just being pretty vigilant of, uh, you know, if there's any issues, concerns with heavier bleeding and your uh, an RH negative factor mom, you know, obviously letting your provider know uh, what's what's occurred. Okay. Amy, is there anything that you would like to say for women out there that know that they've got RH negative? Um, anything you want to forewarn them about or tell them about the process or, or share about your own experience? I mean, I think as long as you're sure that you are with um, a, a care provider who's aware of everything, you know, Dr. Cobb has mm-hmm. discussed. I think that's your your number one, you know, preventive yeah. means of, of getting through it because I've had zero issue whatsoever. I've been under excellent care and mm-hmm. have, I mean, I knew about all of the research that he was talking about and all the things that he alluded to, but um, I never for a moment, you know, questioned anything. I, it, it is a little bit scary with your yeah. first experience, but um, if you're in good care and you make sure that you take care of yourself and, and have good care, you should be fine. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. That shot is like, pfft. Compared to childbirth, come on. Well, and you know, you even compared to drawing all the blood, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, that, psh, whatever. <laughs> in fact, this time I got my flu shot and my, you know, I got one guys. in the arm, one in the. Do you want <laughs> them both, or do you want to, you know, separate it by week? I'm like, just shoot me up. It's cool. Come here, roll over. Okay, I'm good. No, it's not a big deal at all. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Cobb, for joining us today. For more information about Dr. Cobb and his practice, as well as information about all of our panelists, you can visit the episodes page on our website. For members of our Preggy. Pals Club, the conversation continues as we explore how blood types and RH factor can change if you're pregnant with twins. Hi, Preggy Pals listeners. I'm Robin Kaplan, an international board certified lactation consultant, owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center, and the host and producer of Preggy Pals Sisters Show, The Boob Group. I'm here to offer some advice on what you can do during pregnancy to prepare for a positive breastfeeding experience, such as locate a local welcoming breastfeeding support group. Yes, we all know that breastfeeding is natural and normal, yet many of us first-time moms have never really been around a breastfeeding mother. Plus, many of the children we see breastfeeding in public may be covered up with a blanket, so we often don't even know what breastfeeding actually looks like. A few years ago, after I had set up my first breastfeeding support group, I overheard a group of new moms talking about how they wished they had gone to a breastfeeding support group while they were still pregnant. This shocked me a little, as I wasn't sure why they thought this would have been helpful. 
As I listened to their reasons, it began to make complete sense. And now I recommend it to all of the first-time moms that I meet. And this is what they said. First of all, these moms mentioned that after they had their babies, they were a little bit anxious to go somewhere they had never been before. They didn't know where they would park their car. They didn't know where to park their strollers. And visiting the support group while they were pregnant, they felt they would be able to figure out all of these details, as well as taking the vibe of the group to see if it was somewhere they felt they would belong. Once seeing new moms at the group with babies under two weeks old, they thought it would help them to come sooner after their babies were born. They thought they would also have been less intimidated. Secondly, they would have liked to see what a breastfeeding woman really looks like without the cover. How did she sit? How did she latch her baby? Did she use a breastfeeding pillow? Did she wear one of those nursing tanks? All of these little things they could just gauge just by checking around the room. And they thought that that would have been incredibly helpful. Lastly, they would have liked the opportunity to ask these new moms questions about what life was like with a newborn. Many of the women who attended my support group were not from San Diego, so they didn't have a ton of friends or family around who had young children. The support group became their village, where they could seek advice from new friends. Pregnant moms have the opportunity at the support group to interact with new moms, ask questions about local resources, and then just get a general sense of what life may look like after they have had their babies. Seeing breastfeeding moms, especially those who have overcome challenges, can be just enough inspiration for a new mom to persevere to meet her personal breastfeeding goals, especially if you make a connection with another mom who can encourage you during any of these challenges that you may have. It's definitely worth the hour during your maternity leave while pregnant to visit a local breastfeeding support group, so I highly recommend finding one that you really enjoy. For more great information about what you can do during pregnancy to prepare for a positive breastfeeding experience, check out my blog at sandiegobreastfeedingcenter.com backslash blog, and be sure to listen to Preggy Pals in the Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.